Hi everyone, welcome back to Piano Rhapsody, your beginner's guide to classical music. This is a podcast where you follow my journey as an intermediate level piano player, working my way up to a level where I can play concert level pieces like Gershwin's Rhapsody in Blue. But until I get to that point, we take a look at one of the pieces I encounter along the road, and we all learn about music and history along the way. This is episode 4.1 and marks the first episode in a new series. The series is called Back to the Basics with Bergmuller. For the next five episodes, we're going to take a look at Friedrich Bergmuller's Opus 100, titled 25 Progressive Pieces for the Piano. Opus 100 is a collection of 25 etudes that starts at an early intermediate level and becomes progressively more difficult as the work continues as the title suggests. This was actually the first work that I committed to recording from beginning to end, and it was the one that helped me get back into playing piano regularly. So these will also likely be the easiest pieces that we ever discuss on this podcast. Here it is, we're at the bottom of the hill, so I thought it would be a good time to review some very basic concepts that I may have neglected to explain in previous episodes. So, since 25 etudes is kind of a lot, and I don't want you to get all Bergmullered out, we're not going to go over all of them in this series, but we'll do a majority of them. We're going to spend five weeks on this collection, tackling three etudes per week. So that gives us a grand total of 15 out of the 25. And don't worry, I promise I'll pick the good ones. If you are interested in hearing the other 10, I will add them to my SoundCloud page as we go along. While the exact details of when Bergmuller wrote this work are unclear, Bergmuller lived from 1806 to 1875, which, after the last series on musical history, we should realize puts the bulk of his life squarely within the Romantic period. And speaking of the Romantic period, That is the period in which etude writing became popular. So what are etudes? Etudes are short compositions that are focused on perfecting a specific musical skill. They can range from extremely dry technical exercises all the way up to impressive concert-level works. Chopin, Liszt, and Debussy all wrote exceedingly difficult collections of etudes that are still performed at professional concerts today. But no matter the intended difficulty, etudes are designed to focus on a certain element that will help the student finesse a particular skill. They're kind of the equivalent of musical medicine. The best etudes will have enough musicality in them to make the student forget that they're actually learning something and just appreciate the work all on its own. And this is where Bergmuller excelled. He was skilled at writing technical etudes that painted a musical picture, which made them interesting enough for students to want to learn and play. The three of Bergmuller's most famous works are all collections of etudes, and this one, Opus 100, is probably the most famous of them all. I'm guessing it's because it's the easiest of the three, and popular with early intermediate piano students. Since there isn't a whole lot of interesting piano literature for students at that level, this is a great collection to own if you are learning to play piano yourself. 
you can find a copy of this from a respectable publisher for probably around $10. Or if you're really cheap, this work is well within the public domain. You could probably find it for free online. I highly recommend it either way. So let's get down to it. And what better place to start than with number one? The first etude is called Sincerity. As this is a progressive series of etudes, this should represent the easiest one. And I agree, I think it is. It's an exercise in basic hand position and phrasing. You rarely need to stretch your fingers to make large jumps, and you rarely need to change the placement of your hands. There isn't a whole lot musically to discuss within this piece, but there is one thing that I thought we could break down, and that is the C major scale. This first etude is written in C major, the most basic scale in the history of Western music, and what I am constantly referring to as our big Lego building block. So while we've talked about C major several times in the past, we would never discussed what exactly makes a major scale. How does one build a Lego? So, as the title of this series suggests, let's go back to the basics. If you are in a good position to, check out a picture of a piano keyboard. Go ahead, Google piano keyboard, and one of the first images you'll get is a photo with the letters printed right on the keys. I'll give you a second, go ahead. Or better yet, if you have a real keyboard around, that'll be even better. Even if you're at work, go ahead and Google, I give you permission. I mean, unless you're driving. If you're driving, you can just listen. First step, let's find a C. You'll notice there are white keys and black keys on the piano. Hey, I told you this is back to the basics, just, just hang in there. So you'll notice the black keys are arranged in groups of twos and threes. So find a group of two black keys and then find the white key directly to the left. That is a C. And it doesn't matter which one you use. There are eight correct answers on there, so I'm sure you could find one of them. If you want to be a conformist, you could use middle C. Middle C will be the fourth C from your left. So C is the first note of our C major scale. Now from here, we need to talk briefly about the concept of whole steps versus half steps. It's very simple. A half step is a move one key up, while a whole step is a move two keys up. So let's go back to C. We already know that the C major scale uses all of the white keys on the piano, starting on C. So let's take a look at the major scale pattern. I hope you're still looking at a keyboard picture. So from C to D, there's a black key in between, so that's considered a whole step. And from D to E, another black key in between, so we moved up two keys, another whole step. From E to F, no black key, that's a one key jump, so this is a half step. And I think you're smart listeners, so I'm sure you get the idea by now, so let's speed up the rest. F to G, whole step, G to A, whole step, A to B, 
another whole step. And then our final step from B to C, a half step. So to summarize, the major scale formula is whole, whole, half, whole, 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 half. So the third and seventh steps are half, but the rest are whole steps. This formula is the same for every major key. You'll just have a different starting point. And if you remember from previous episodes, this is also called the Ionian mode. And that's how the major scales are formed. And even if you've never even tried before, you should be able to play a C major scale on the piano now. You're welcome. <laughs> Sorry, we've been watching a lot of Moana in this house lately. Okay, now let's have a listen to the first etude in Bergmuller's Opus 100, entitled Sincerity, in the key of C major. Not much to it. It's just a pleasant little etude opener. So let's move on to the second etude for the day. We're going to keep things rolling right along and go right into number two. And this one is titled Arabesque. This is probably one of the most popular etudes in the entire set. It tends to pop up in most piano collections at this level. So the term arabesque has a peculiar and unclear definition. First of all, it is a classic ballet pose, where the ballerina stands on one leg with one arm raised straight up, while the other leg and arm are pointed backwards. Basically picture a ballerina in your head, and yeah, it's, it's that pose. But judging from the name, you may have guessed that arabesque is a French adjective related to the English Arabic. But the pieces titled as arabesques don't really reflect Arabic music or style, including this one by Bergmuller. A little bit further probing into the word origins of these pieces reveals that although these pieces don't actually sound like accurate representations of Arabic music, this is actually what Europeans thought Arabic music sounded like at the time. <laughs> so it's basically a misnomer. But whatever you want to call it, this is a quick-tempoed little etude that was Bergmuller's attempt at sounding exotic. So this etude is also written in a key that utilizes all of the white keys. 
but it is not a major key. It's in a minor key. This key shares the same notes as C major, only in a different order. This is what we call a relative minor key. A relative minor to a major key starts a minor third below the major key. And a minor third is simply a whole step plus a half step, or add it together, three keys down. So let's back up a second. This is supposed to be back to the basics. I don't want to lose anybody. Let's start with C major, the major key that uses all of the white keys. We'll start on the C and go down a minor third from C to B to B flat to A. So A natural minor is the relative minor of C major. Both of these keys utilize the same exact notes, only in a different order. C major starts on C, and A minor starts on A. And it's amazing how different the order of these notes can make the piece sound differently. A general rule is that music tends to rely on the first and fifth tones. So C and G are the most popular notes for C major, and A and E are the most popular tones for A minor. Just take a listen to the first couple bars of this etude that rely on the A minor chord, and you'll hear the different soundscape compared to the first etude in C major that we just listened to. So the other topic I wanted to go over in the second etude is its form. This short etude follows the basic form of ABA, which is called rounded binary form. The easiest way to distinguish which part we are in during this piece is to focus on which hand carries the melody. During part A, the melody is carried by the right hand. Let's listen to the beginning one more time. Then, in the B segment, the melody switches to the left hand. Part B ends with a slight dramatic slowdown. Then the melody switches back to the right hand, repeating part A. This takes it to the end, completing a simple A-B-A -A rounded binary form. See if you can follow along as we listen to the second etude from Bergmuller's Opus 100, titled Arabesque.
Two down, one to go. So let's continue right on with A2 number four, called A Little Party. This is an upbeat etude that is a programmatic piece, which means that it tries to tell a story through music. In this case, and I bet you won't see this coming, a party. The first few bars of the piece opens with an invitation by the left hand, and a simulation of a crowd shuffling in with the right hand. Then there's a pronounced rest, and the party begins, with quick runs of scales in the right hand. A little while into the party, a conversation develops between the left and right hand, where the right hand echoes what the left hand just played. Then we return to the party, until the piece is over. So all of this happens very quickly, as the piece is only one minute long. Bergmuller wasn't exaggerating when he called this a little party. It's basically, come in, have a drink, let's have a quick chat, now get out. Musically, in order to emulate a group of people, this etude is not only an exercise in storytelling, but a technical exercise of playing thirds in rapid succession. This is actually a perfect concept to discuss, as it kind of ties in the last two etudes that we just talked about. I guess that's intentional, as Bergmuller designed these etudes to be progressive works. So let's talk about intervals today, specifically thirds. It's actually a pretty intuitive concept, but since this is a back to basics series, this is a perfect place to spell this out. A third is a group of two notes, or a dyad, if you will. The bottom note is your bass, and the top note is the third note in the bass's scale. So a third interval is essentially the first and third tones of a scale. So let's take our favorite C major scale. Our bass is C, and the third note is E. So our major third would be a C and an E. And drawing back from our conversation from the first etude, this is an interval of two whole steps. But the conversation does not end here because thirds don't always have to be major. We could have minor thirds as well, like we talked about with the second etude in determining a relative minor scale. So let's quickly review how to make a natural minor scale. We start with the major scale and lower the third, sixth, and seventh tones. So to change C major into C minor, we lower E to E flat, A to A flat, and B to B flat. Then to create the minor third, starting on C, we use C and the third tone of the C natural minor scale, which is E flat. C to E flat is an interval of one whole step plus one half step. So to summarize, a major third is an interval comprised of two whole steps, while a minor third is an interval composed of a whole step plus a half step. This etude is loaded with thirds, both major and minor, going up scales and down scales.
This musical concept plays hand-in-hand with the storytelling of simulating a party, while also helping the piano student learn a new technical skill by getting them to wrap their fingers around playing scales of two notes at the same time. So let's crash this party and try to appreciate the scene being set to music here. This is the fourth etude from Bergmuller's Opus 100, The Little Party. Alright, that's it for today. This ended up being the longest episode yet. Even though these etudes are really short, there's still some things to talk about, especially when we're tackling three at a time. Next week, we'll continue on with this work and discuss another three more. Thanks for joining me today. I hope your music knowledge expanded just a little bit. If you would like to get in touch with me or ask any questions that I might be able to cover during this series, reach out to me on Twitter at Piano Rhapsody or email me at pianorhapsodypodcast at gmail.com. The standalone recordings of the three etudes discussed in this episode can be found right in the podcast stream, but if you'd like to hear etudes number three and five, I will be posting those this week on my SoundCloud page. You could find all of the recordings associated with this podcast on there, as well as some additional material. There's also a playlist set up with just the piano tracks, so you can throw it on as background music to sleep or study without my voice getting in the way. Don't forget to rate, subscribe, or if you're really feeling daring, leave a review. It's always appreciated. All right, have a great week. I will talk to you next time.